Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 74 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, I'm following up on a question posted by one of our patrons regarding swarm management and general inspections through the active season. If inspecting your beehive gives you a feeling of impending doom each time, stay tuned and I'll hopefully give you some pointers to make the whole task more relaxed. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Before we get into the detail of Ben's question, I thought I'd recap on another busy week. Queen rearing has been interesting this week. We had half a dozen emerged virgin queens trapped in the Nico hair roller cages that needed to be moved into queenless nukes. And I attempted a new method of introduction which involved liberally covering the virgin with sugar syrup and simply letting her run onto a frame whereby the workers would get stuck into the sugar syrup and start cleaning the new queen and then accept her and not attack her. This is the first time I've attempted something like this, but the benefits of a successful introduction mean saving a few days compared to a normal caged introduction. Having set up the nuke as a queenless colony the day before, I did as instructed and pretty much covered the queen in syrup, bless her. She really was covered. The syrup ran down onto the frame where the workers immediately started cleaning it up. And I took this opportunity to run the Virgin Queen onto the same frame in the middle of the syrup. And sure enough, the workers immediately set about licking the sugar syrup off the Queen and generally cleaning her up. Success! I have to say I was feeling pretty smug about the whole operation and particularly glad that we had chosen to capture the exercise on video to post to the Patreon site for everyone to see. That was until about 20 seconds after I ran the queen out of the cage and onto the syrup. It all seemed fine, but then one worker took exception to this new queen in their presence and started harassing her. First the worker climbed all over her and then started curling down her abdomen to try to sting. I left it for a couple of seconds longer as it was only one worker and I thought that maybe she would just get bored and walk away. But this worker obviously didn't like her proposed new queen because when she couldn't get enough purchase to sting her, she started to bite her and it became more and more vicious and frantic. Then another worker decided to join in and that for me was enough. I wasn't going to stand by and watch them attack my beautiful new virgin queen. The problem was the instigator of the attack had now got such a strong bite of the Virgin Queen's wing that when I picked up the worker, the Queen came with her. I actually had to walk away from the nuke and spend several seconds encouraging the worker to let go, which she eventually did, and I was able to get the Virgin Queen safely into a cage for her own protection. Now, as I've said, I've not attempted this before, so it's all very new to me. Having considered everything I did, I've come to the conclusion that firstly, the nuke was far too large for the introduction of this virgin queen in this manner, and secondly, maybe I should have left them queenless for a longer period of time before trying to introduce a virgin queen whose pheromones are not as strong as a fully mated queen. But who knows? Suffice to say, the rest of the virgin queens for introduction were put into cages and introduced in a more traditional way. I'll be back to check on them over the weekend, so we'll see if they've been released and accepted or not, and I'll uh, let you know in an update on one of the future podcasts. It's been the last push to getting supers on colonies where needed, always a tricky proposition, 
as I don't like giving them too much space now that we're heading to the end of the summer nectar flow. I want the bees to fill every last space of the supers they have before they move on into another one, otherwise they'll have supers half filled and with honey uncapped, making life difficult when it comes to extraction time. There's still plenty of blackberry and rose bay willow herb in flower, and the sweet chestnut is in full bloom this week, so there's lots out there for them still. And walking beneath the sweet chestnut on a warm, still summer's day, you can really smell the nectar and hear the buzz. It's really quite magical. So on to Ben's question from last week. Just to recap, for anyone who's not listened to last week's questions and answers podcast, Ben Hohen submitted a question that was more like six questions rolled into one and something that needed a lot more time to answer. So I promised I'd take a closer look at it this week. So Ben's original question is as follows. For me as a new beekeeper, this year has been hard. I overwintered all three of my hives, but two swarmed early in the year when I was at work and then both through after swarms while I was away. One of those did not successfully remate, so is hopelessly queenless currently and the other I'm waiting to find out if it mated successfully. It would be helpful to get a general description for swarm management. For example, how often do you inspect the hives? How thorough of an inspection do you make? Every frame, or just by tipping the box up? Do you shake the bees off the frames during an inspection, or do you find you can do what you need while still having a frame covered with bees? Other than queen cups, what are you looking for? If you find any queen cups, do you knock them down? Is there anything else you can do to reduce the likelihood of swarming? For example, if you learn to give them more space, do you find that swarm pressures are usually eliminated? Finally, on this last point, can you outline some of the methods you rely on to give them more space? Thanks. Well, Ben, there are some great questions in that single question that you sent in, so let's see if we can take it apart and try to give some help. Let's start with early season swarm management and my inspection routine. Timing is everything and first inspections start as soon as the weather is warm enough to feel comfortable wearing just a t-shirt. The early inspections focus on colonies coming out of the winter so questions like do they have enough food and how strong are they come to mind. I'm looking at the general health of the colony. Do the bees look well? Are there any signs of disease? With the colonies being smaller at this time of the year, it's a great opportunity to have a good look through for disease. Importantly, I'm also looking for the first signs of drone brood. Colonies can't have newly emerged virgin queens mated if there aren't any drones, so early drones are an important indicator that swarming will soon be on its way. Ben also asks if my inspections are thorough, asking do I inspect every frame or just tip up the box. So for anyone out there who would wonder why you just tip the box up, what you're looking for in the main is swarm cells which generally tend to appear on the bottom edge of the frames. Hence if you lift and tip the box up from the floor you can immediately see any swarm cells that might be hanging down in what I'd call a conventional swarm cell position. But I always inspect by removing frames. Not always every frame, there's normally not any need to inspect frames of sealed food stores, but I do inspect every frame of brood, and if I find queen cells, I'll even check the frames of food as well. An average colony takes me about 6-10 to minutes to inspect, depending on what I find and any manipulations that need to be performed. 
And generally, I don't shake all of the bees off the frames when I inspect, as firstly, I'm inspecting the adult bees to see if they're healthy, as well as the frames of brood. I want to see that all the adults are perfectly healthy, and once I confirm that, I can easily move bees off a frame by gently coaxing them with my fingertips, or a gentle blow while holding the comb close to your face will move bees away as well, especially if you've had something strongly flavoured for lunch. There are two exceptions where I do shake bees off the frame. Firstly, when I carry out a disease check of all brood frames, I need to shake most of the bees off so I can get in close and have a good look at the brood. And secondly, when I find a queen cell in a colony that has eggs, and I don't want to keep any of the queen cells, I'll shake all the frames off as well. Now remember, shaking the frames can have the effect of dislodging the larvae away from the royal jelly in a queen cell, and could cause starvation. So if you suspect that a colony has swarmed, or you can't see any eggs, don't shake the frames until you're happy you're going to remove the queen cells. The same applies if you think you might be able to use the queen cells in splits or queenless colonies. Another question Ben asks is, what do you look for other than queen cups? Well, there's a long list of things you might look for. The trick here is to notice things that are perhaps unusual rather than looking out for specific issues. If you know what healthy bees and healthy brood looks like, it's the simplest thing in the world to notice when something is out of place. For instance, you're looking down at a golden disc of capped brood, no empty cells, just a slab of lovely brood, but you notice a small light section of few millimetres wide that appears to be trailing across the brood beneath the wax cappings. If you trace along it with your hive tool or a cocktail stick or a matchstick or something similar, you'll find it opens up into a silken tube and if you trace along this tube long enough, you'll likely as not eventually discover a wriggling wax moth larvae. A swift pinch and it's removed for the birds. The point is, I don't know many beekeepers that consciously go looking for wax moth larvae, but they spot it as they carry out what might be termed a normal inspection, and you don't get to see these if you're just tipping up the brood box from the floor week after week. Ben also questions what I do if I find queen cups. I'm guessing that you mean the preparatory cups that look a little bit like the cups that you find acorns in. Well, I always check them to see if they've been loaded with an egg or young larvae. I class them as rudimentary queen cups if they're empty, but switch to calling them queen cells if they have anything in them. In order to look in them, sometimes I have to peel the front edge of the cup up to see inside. If I do this, generally I'll remove it, but if I can see obviously there's nothing inside them, then I tend to leave them. Having said that, sometimes I do remove them all, and that's when one or more of them is charged, regardless of whether the others have anything in them or not. I think Ben asks, how often do I inspect my hives? Well, during the active season, I inspect each hive once a week, mostly every seven days, but sometimes more frequently if there's a particular reason. I don't want to disrupt the bees too frequently, but I do want to try and stop swarming, and I don't clip my queen's wings. If I lose a swarm, well, I lose a swarm. I carry out very specific disease inspections, shaking the bees off from each frame at the end of each honey crop period, for no particular reason at this time other than the hives are light and it's a date in the calendar that I can remember. That's not to say that I'm not looking for disease every time I inspect. I'm always vigilant and I'm always looking for healthy brood. Another question Ben asks is, is there anything you can do to reduce the likelihood of swarming? 
Well, trying to raise your own non-swarmy bees is a good step. Lots of colonies seem predisposed to swarming, so selecting to produce queens from low-swarming colonies seems like quite a good idea. Being aware of the triggers for swarming helps manage colonies too. For instance, is the colony outgrowing its current available space? If you have a lot of frames of sealed brood, you know that in a very short space of time, each frame of emerging bees will give you a good couple of seams of bees at the very least. Is there enough room in your colony to cater for such an increase? If you add supers once these bees have emerged, you're probably too late. A period of good weather in spring, immediately followed by cooler conditions, will see bees confined to the hive, thus creating a false cramped position. Again, another trigger for swarming. You'll also find that swarming tendencies tend to increase when the early nectar flow is over. Bees perhaps getting too busy foraging to take time out to swarm. That said, this year I had several colonies swarm in the middle of the oilseed rape flow, so there's no guarantees. Currently, we're in the middle of July, and social media is buzzing with the sound of reported swarms here in the UK, so you can see even in the middle of our main summer flow, bees are still swarming. I guess we just have to be vigilant right through to the autumn. The final point Ben talks about in his question is regarding giving the bees more space and how do you manage this. I mentioned earlier as new worker bees emerge from their cells, it increases the colony strength and reduces the amount of available space. Workers change the roles that they perform as they age and if we don't provide them with additional space it can lead to swarming. But in the middle of the summer flow it's easy to give them too much space and give yourself problems with bees building the colony upwards through the middle of any supers that you've added to the point that when you come to remove and extract the three or four supers that you've put on you find only three or four frames up the middle have any honey in them and most of it's uncapped. It's important to remember that the bees need space to store the high water content nectar before reducing it down into honey and capping it, but if you give them too much space it can become difficult for them to control the environment and so they simply keep everything together up the middle. It's not such an issue in the spring, giving them a little too much space is preferable to not enough, but in the summer months I like to keep them just on the edge of not enough space, if you see what I mean. And by this, I mean that they need to be working all of the frames in the supers, have drawn comb to the very edge, and certainly no foundation. Then, when I see cells being capped, I'll add another super of drawn frames, or if you only have foundation, well then that's what you have to add. As it gets to the latter part of this month, and the forage starts to dry up, you could remove a couple of central frames from a super that's already full, and just replace those, rather than give them a full super of foundation to draw. Those frames of honey that are removed could be extracted, or if they're unwired foundation, cut out for cut comb honey. Alternatively, you could just pop them into the freezer until you're ready to extract everything. But no matter how hard we try, the bees will do what they're engineered to do, and that's reproduce, and that means swarming. We can slow them down, delay them, distract them, move them even, and try a whole range of manipulations, maybe even try talking to them nicely, but eventually they're going to swarm. If you're lucky enough to be there and witness it, well, it's a remarkable sight to behold, and consider yourself lucky that you were able to see it in action. Hopefully, they'll settle on a low-hanging branch for you to shake into a nuke box and start off another colony. My thanks to Ben for such a fantastic question, and I hope I've been able to help with some of the responses. 
You can catch up with more of my beekeeping journey by checking out the content on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. Alternatively, we can catch up next week with another podcast. Well, that's it for this week. Here's to another great beekeeping week, and thanks for hanging around until the end of today's podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. (laughs) 